so now that we've covered Stockholm, let's quickly check in on the next-gen ATP finals. Yeah. Hey, what's wrong? I feel like it's time for some good WTA discussion. You're right. At least we're doing right by the finals and saving the best for last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josephina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josephina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So we're finally back and with consistent episodes. I mean, we haven't really done that for a while. So it's really great to be an actual podcast again. Last week we had some tennis. This week we have more tennis. What's new? And um, yeah, that's it. We just have a lot of tennis going on these past two weeks. So we're going to do some recaps. We're going to do some check-ins, some quasi previews. You know, we got it all coming right at your ear because this is a podcast. I was going to say face. (laughs) Yeah, well, we want the focus of this episode, and it, the focus of this episode will be the WTA Finals, but there is some stuff to catch up on before we get to that. So from last week, we had two big tournaments, the Billie Jean King Cup and the Paris Masters. So firstly, with the Billie Jean King Cup, formerly known as the Fed Cup, um, the Russian Tennis Federation defeated Switzerland 2-0 in the final, with Kazakina and Samsonova getting their singles wins to lead to that victory. And, I mean... The Russian Tennis Federation had a really strong team. They had Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, they had Kazakina, Samsonova as their kind of dark horse. She had a really good run in the grass season a few months ago. So they were really able to pull through some tough matches. But also Switzerland, they came in as a dark horse. Um, They kind of had Belinda Bencic, um, uh, Victoria Golubic, and... Jill Teichman leading their squad, and they also put together a really good series of wins. No one really would have picked them to make it that far, I don't think, at the beginning of the year. So that was a very strong showing from them. And honorable mention, since we are a bit biased here, we want to give that to the USA. They did make it to the semifinals, um, led by Danielle Collins, Shelby Rogers, Sloane Stevens, Coco Wandaway, and Caroline Dolhide. Certainly not the most strongest team that they've had in the past. They had a dropout from Jessica Pegula because she had a COVID close contact situation, as we talked about last episode, and she certainly would have been a big asset to this team. But there was nevertheless some really good tennis from these women, especially Danielle Collins. So awesome for them. Yeah, that was definitely a great tournament and excited to see how, no, I was excited to see how that played out and I did. Anyways, uh, next up we have the Paris Masters tournament, the ATP 1000. We talked about it last episode, so this is pretty much just a quick recap of, you know, what went down from since the last time we spoke. Um, so Novak Djokovic defeated Daniil Medvedev 4-6-6-3-6-3, so... This was definitely some, you know, revenge for the U.S. Open title this year. But, um, yeah, a lot happened for Djokovic with this match. Djokovic passed Nadal with the most Masters titles at 37. So before this, they were tied at 36. But now he's officially passed him by one. 
And also, Djokovic clinched the year-end number one. So that's huge because the thing is that I believe if Medvedev won this, he would have had a chance at year-end like number a very, one. A very difficult chance, but yeah, still a chance. Like, I think he would have had to win the ATP finals as well. Yeah, something yeah. crazy like that. I mean, I wasn't doubting it until the very end, but, you know, it is what it is. So what Djokovic said about um, clinching year-end number one is, I felt huge relief knowing that I've clinched year-end number one. There's always pressure, but I was more relaxed. So it's great to see that, you know, he's kind of regrouped after that U.S. Open final. I mean, he has incredible mental stamina, so we didn't doubt it. But it's great to see that he's, like, shown through result that he's back, and he's still going to play some more amazing tennis for us. Also, when he won, like, after he won his match, he went up to the stands and hugged, and his two kids gave him a hug at the same time around his neck. I'm not a Djokovic fan. This has been established several times. But that was so cute. Yeah, I feel like it really said a lot because I remember in the U.S. Open final, in the in the trophy ceremony, he spoke about how he, like, the one thing he regrets about, like, being on the tour so much and like all his success is the fact that he doesn't yeah. get to see his kids much so i think the fact yeah. that they were there meant so, so much cute. to him it's meant Especially so much to see him win exactly yeah. yeah i think he did it for them i'm just gonna believe that oh yes um and he also has some kind words to say about Medvedev because um daniel has really shown to be Novak's real competition this year and I think it's a really interesting rivalry I think that um, we saw a little bit of it at Nito last year I think Um, but and also at Cincinnati like two years ago but I think after the Australian Open final this year that was like an absolute beatdown people were like oh at the biggest stages like overall like it still seems like Djokovic is going to keep you know from now on keep winning but Daniil has consistently proven to challenge Novak at the top level as I said before at Nito last year at the U.S. Open this year um, other wins in the past couple of years and taking him to a tough match even in this final so Djokovic said that Medvedev is probably my biggest rival at the moment and that's a huge compliment coming from him Mm -hmm. so I've also seen just from Daniil's Instagram and honestly both of their social media, but Daniil also respects this rivalry that they have. He knows he's at that level. Like he's often posting and reposting clips and stuff from them practicing together of quotes being like, looking forward to playing you again. We ho- I hope we meet in many other finals regardless whoever says it. So I think that there is a real mutual respect for each other. Um, and I think that in that way, Medvedev continues to sort of show that he's one notch ahead of Tsitsipas and Zverev Mm -hmm. if we're thinking about this new generation, which I um, fully am a fan of. But we also had another breakthrough at Paris that we want to briefly mention because this was a big deal for him. Yeah, we had Hubert Hurkacz, who we haven't seen for a while, actually. He made the semifinals and like the biggest part about this is that he clinched his ATP final spot. He moved up three spots in the race to get that seventh spot, which is, you know, it's amazing for him. And um, it's just great to see that he ended the, that he got more out of the, his performance in Paris than just making the semifinals. He also got this spot and he gets to play some more elite tennis this year, which we're so excited to to see. 
So then next up, we have some smaller tournaments, but we still just want to go over what happened there. So we have Stockholm, the ATP 250. And uh, this one is still going on, so we're like checking in. It's not really a recap. But basically, one of the biggest results that we just really, really want to mention is the fact that Andy Murray defeated Yannick Sinner, the first seed, 7-6-6-3. So like, as soon as I saw... The draw, I was like, dang, why does Andy Murray keep getting these difficult draws? It's so I was thinking the unfair. same thing. It's because the thing is that they put him in a weird spot since he enters as a wild card. Yeah. That's what I've realized. And, I mean, it's unfortunate, but, like, look what he did. He defeated Yannick Sinner in straight sets. That's crazy. So that was his second top 10 win this season, and Murray said, I said in the last few weeks, it's coming. It's coming. I don't know if it will be this week or at the beginning of next year, but I'm going to be pushing and getting deep in tournaments again. I am smiling so much right now because okay. like, he's just been improving so much. Don't take this the wrong way, but his confidence in that quote is really hot. Okay. Okay. It's not an episode without a little, without a little Thursday. She might not say it, but Josephina agrees with me. Josephina agrees with Shravya. What? <laughs> what? Um. Anyways, yeah. Andy actually ended up losing to Tommy Paul in the quarterfinals today. Yay for Tommy! No. Sad for Andy. I literally could not care less about Tommy. Andy did okay. not deserve that. Okay, fair enough. But we also have Francis TFO into the semis, who's been having an amazing season, um, especially recently. A 1-6-6-1-6-1 win versus Dan Evans. He's going to play Tommy Paul in the semifinals. And then we have FAA also into the semis, defeating Krajinovic and Botic on the way. And then Shapo defeated Rindernick in three sets today and will now face his Canadian bestie Felix in the semifinals and Shapo actually won this tournament two years ago so we've got an American semifinal up top and a Canadian semifinal in the bottom half so North America honestly I love all four of them still in the draw so this is going to be fun to watch um I kind of just want Hmm. I want the Canadian, one of the Canadians, though. Same. Because, no, no, no. I think and yeah. preferably Felix. Yeah. Felix needs Felix his needs first this title. So much. Felix, oh I oh gosh, we're reaching that time where he's getting close. So we'll see how it goes. Now also, let's talk about. Sorry, but Shabo has been playing crap. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little. It's a little concerning. Yeah. But anyways, um, we also have a WTA two fifty event going on in Linz, Austria. And um, one of the biggest upsets so far has been Wang Jinyu defeating Emma Raducanu 6-1-6-7-7-5. So a very tough match. And she's actually a 20-year-old qualifier from China, but she's actually been having a really strong past couple of weeks, reaching the quarterfinals of two tournaments in a row. So this is a really great win for her. But again, we do want to contextualize Raducanu's loss as well. Yeah, so we talked about this last time, like, Raducanu's performance is only natural. She's so young. Her U.S. Open form was, like, her current peak, and that's the thing, that, like, you can reach a peak and then, you know, dip a little and then go back up once again. And then it's Or even just, higher. Exactly. And she she's just going to keep getting better, but you need to give her time to be worse so that she can get there one day. <laughs> so it's going to be a while until she's able to learn to sustain that level, and that's that's the thing, that she's so young. She has so much time just relax 
with the disappointment in her and keeping her up to her expect or to the expectations that everyone has for her since that big win because she can do it again just give her some time and like mm. also the thing about um she and you is that i love this is why i love smaller tournaments like these like maybe we'll be talking about Jin Yu again next year in a bigger tournament because like you see like that slow improvement of doing better in the smaller tournaments also this is her like first i think like fullish season competing at the wta tour level so clearly there's a lot of of a younger stock of players that like we have we don't really see mainstream hype about that also have such great potential i think like once we kind of got out of the Bianca, Osaka, and currently I would say the Fernandez Raducanu wave, you still have this stock of people like, and I'm not talking about the fact that they're not relevant anymore, I'm just talking about like how the cycle of like mm-hmm. hype works. Yeah. You have this stock of players like, you could put Jin Yu in the Wang in the mix, um, I put Marta Kostiuk in the mix, Clara Towson, like these players who like people don't talk about that much, mm-hmm. but are having really great success. Um, I look forward to seeing that play into the really exciting dynamics on the WTA right now because as so many players have said there is so much depth one thing we do want to know about Raducanu is that she did say in her press conference that she is now working with coach Torben Belt and this is big news because Raducanu did say after the U.S. Open that she's really looking for a new coach with a lot more experience um on the WTA level coaching on the WTA level so that they can help her out because she's so inexperienced understandably so like she's like a teenager um so torben belts coached angelique kerber for a while has a lot of experience exactly what emma needs this also means that kerber is looking for a new coach um so i'm hiring let's... i mean no i'm yeah i'll take it i'll take the position <laughs> i mean great Anything, for emma yeah. but if this affects angie's performance in any way we're gonna be needing to have some words because <laughs> as a kerber fan i can't let we're that gonna happen. have a problem yes and lastly, the final at Linz is set with Jacqueline Christian, who had a great win, at, uh, a great week at the Transylvania Open, um, her home tournament, reaching the quarterfinals versus Allison Risk. Kind of sad because bo- in both their semifinals, their opponents either pulled out or retired. Halep Ooh. and Danielle Collins. Oh, Halep was that was so sad. Yeah, yeah. especially because she has to end her season on that note. But, yeah. anyways, that is a bit of tennis talk. Uh, check-in for the time being in terms of the tournaments going on right now but we do have one more tournament that is probably the most sort of important aside from the WTA finals which is the next gen ATP finals so we kind of saved that for the end of our little check-in period because it's something different it's a little bit I don't know some people find it really exciting I personally like it's literally just ATP finals junior yeah, I, I'm not the biggest fan. Like, I think the concept is great. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, like, I, I don't get excited to watch it, but some people really like it. So what we're going to talk about. Okay, well, obviously, there's one main reason that I'm loving it right now. And I yes. think, Shravi, can you name it? I don't know. I think you should name it. Does it start with an S and end with an A? Could it be mm. Sebastian Corda? No, no. No, not possible never no, no. it's Josefina, never about him. sebastian corda what <laughs> who is that <laughs> he's not sitting on the back of my phone that i'm recording with right now <laughs> anyway context it's the... a photo i don't know yeah. why that sounded really weird anyways 
Um, yeah. So, the reigning champion is Yannick Well, Sinner. we should say what the title of the tournament is. Oh, right. So, you might want that detail. <laughs> and this tournament is the ATP Next Gen Finals. So, yeah. It's um basically ATP Finals 21 and under? Or is it 20? 21. I think so. I'm not, I'm not sure. My mom asked me the same question today. I, and yeah, I it's 21. I did not have an answer for her. It's 21 because uh, Sebastian Court is 21. In the U.S. Okay, ma'am. <laughs> They Says can't party. They can't, they can't. They can't party with the with yeah. the ATP Finals bros yet. So yeah, they exactly. have to yeah. be in a separate tournament. That's the re- that's the reason why they're not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so the reigning champion is Yannick Sinner, who won in twenty nineteen because they didn't have this tournament last year. Because you know, um, twenty one and under. You know that was the COVID. They were the. I just yeah. got a notification on my phone that Paula Bedosa won the first set, so oh I'm going to take goodness. a little break to celebrate. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Okay. Um, so, the field. So, there's two groups. Group A is consisting of Carlos Algaraz, who is currently in first place, Brandon Nakashima, second place, Holger Rune, and... Juan Manuel Serendolo, uh, also known as Juanma. That's what we're going to call him. Anyways, Group B is made up of Sebastian Corda, first place. Sebastian Baez, second place. Lorenzo I've Mercedes. never heard of him. Well, I mean, like, I've heard of him, but, like, I did, I did not know he was relevant, like, at all. No, I agree. Last one is Hugo Gaston. Okay, now we can do this conversation. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he was the sixth seed, and, like, nobody expected him to make it like the thing is yeah. i've like seen him showed up on i've seen I've him seen on uh serendolo's instagram a couple times because they're both oh. argentinian so they like oh. practice together a lot so i was like i i recognize the name yeah and then maybe yeah because yeah. i know hugo gaston has been having a lot of success at the challenger level this year so maybe the same with Baez. like we just haven't seen him no, on like the also, atp level he uh what was it he took dominic team to five sets at the french open yeah, he. This that's where he year? got his height. This year or last no, year? No, 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 no. Last year. Last year. And then like, and then like, he actually did well at the Paris Masters tournament too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess if the ATP next gen finals was in France, he'd be set. But it wasn't, yes. so he had his three zero win loss win record. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna blitz through this because we really want to get to the WTA finals, which is what we are very excited about the basic format of this is the same as the other finals in terms of like the round robin format two groups of four they play to qualify for the semis the two best players from each group so the winners and the runners up of each group move on to the semifinals then they go to the finals the scoring format is so weird they play best of five but they play the fast four format which is like the first of four games and they play no ad so it's like it's bizarre. Some people love it and think it thinks it makes it more exciting. I personally just like that turns me off. Like I don't really want to watch a tournament yeah, I don't that like is gonna use that format. But um, the semifinalists are locked. We have Nakashima versus Korda, a battle of Americans, and Alcaraz versus Baez. Sebastian or Sebi and Carlos are both undefeated. Um, and we do want to take a moment to be sad about Juanma because this was his first hardcore tournament all year, so it's sad to see him go. Um, and let's like Sebastian Baez is a huge dark horse here. We were just talking about him and now making the semifinals, so that is impressive. And Lorenzo Musetti, 
very, very bizarre season since Acapulco. Um, he had a good win versus Gaston, where he, again, laid on the floor of the court to celebrate. Um, but he lost to Corda today, 4-2, 4-3, 4-2. 4-2. Um, so, there's that. Josefina, who's your pick to win this tournament? So, I gotta say, I had a lot of trouble picking someone, and, um, you know, I just had to weigh all of the factors, you know, who who did this well, who did that well, who's, that is complete BS. I chose Sebastian Corda immediately. As soon as I saw picks to win, I was like, that's equivalent to Sebastian Corda. No matter what tournament, it could be the US Open, it could be the Australian Open, it could be the French Open. I will pick Sebastian Corda. It oh, could wow. be the ATP finals. Okay. She is impassioned about this subject. Not, no. Me? Never. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, in case you didn't catch that, it's going to be Sebastian Corda. I actually picked um, Nakashima before I even saw the semifinal lineup. There's something dark horsey about him. I think he's been playing really well. I think this tournament maybe feels a little bit lower stakes, in, like, in a weird way. Like, not lower stakes, but, like, a different, like, not doesn't have the same pressures as an ATP-level tournament. Like, you, so this one, it's like, the vibes you got are different. there, and that's the hard work, and then, like, like that's it. Yeah, the vibes like, are different. Getting there. So, I think Nakashima has a shot. WTA finals time. Oh I have been God. waiting for this all for the past, what, 20 minutes? So, no, not 20 minutes. You told me about this yesterday. You were like, oh, yeah. we're going to go over the other stuff quickly, and then we could talk about the WTA finals. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did say that. Um, so this year, the WTA finals are taking place in Guadalajara, Mexico. They're outdoors, which is a little a little spicy, a little different from usual. Josephine and I were literally in the middle of our tennis class and talking about like, nerding out. This. We were yeah. literally nerding out over Guadalajara, yeah. the WTA finals. It was kind of... It was it was a perfect H O T Y R hotter moment. Yes. Um, yes. I think honestly, we've talked a lot about how the end of your finals format works, so we're gonna just skip over that part. Round robin, there's two groups. The winners and runners up of each group face each other in the semis, but you play the person from a different group. And then there's the final. So we have our first group, um, which is Josefina. How about you take it? Because I don't want to mess up the pronunciation. (laughs) I mean, it's not even, like, it's technically not Spanish, like, it's indigenous language. Yeah. But, like, I just remember because my history teacher was very good at pronouncing these, like, the names of indigenous I don't know, cities, people, different things like that. So it's group Chichen Itza. And uh, fun fact, this was one of the greatest cities in the Mayan Empire, in the Yucatan. And the name of the other group is also an important former indigenous city as well. And I believe now both are reduced to ruins. But either way, it's great that they're respecting the culture and the society that used to reside there. So I think that was so so neat. It's so much better than, like, what the Nito ATP finals oh my did God, last year. Oh, like, that? Tokyo 1970 and, like, London, whatever. I was like, this is so stupid. I did so not stupid. understand that. I did not understand that. <laughs> it was so stupid. This is yeah. cool. Yes, this is so cool. So, our um, first seed here is Arena Sabalenka, who 
as you might recall, made the Wimbledon and U.S. Open semifinals. So it's she finally made her Grand Slam breakthrough this year that we've been waiting for all season, this maybe not, this, even this since last proud, year. This was such a proud moment. Like we spent so much time on the podcast discussing how we're waiting for her to put the pieces together because she has that potential to like get that um, five hundred and one thousand level success and apply it to a Grand Slam, and that she was finally able to do it. I'm not a huge Sabalenka fan myself, but it was a little bit of a, a proud podcast or proud journalist moment, if you say, mm-hmm. to see that come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then she also had Abu Dhabi, which was a 500 tournament, and Madrid, which was a 1,000. So, like, really, that great top level. And then again, we have the WTA Finals, which is another very high-level tournament. So let's see how she does here. I mean, it's not looking too good because Paula Badosa just took the first set. So. Yeah. And also, Sabalenka, despite those two really big titles and big Grand Slam runs, she has been a little bit rusty the past few months. She also wasn't able to play Indian Wells because she contracted COVID-19, after which she finally agreed to get vaccinated. So I guess there was a plus side to that. Um, but anyway, our next person in group Chichen Itza is Maria Sakari, the number four seed. She's made so much history this year, uh, reaching the French Open and U.S. Open semifinals, as well as the Ostrava final. She has been a constant force on the tour, I feel like. Um, really showing her ability to match the level and exceed the level of these top players. So she's also someone who maybe at the beginning of the year we didn't think would make it, but has established herself on the tour really nicely. Took a uh, Got her first win of the WTA Finals already, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And next up we have Iga Swiatek, the fifth seed, who had a very notable sophomore season um, after her Grand Slam win. So... She took the Adelaide title, which was a 250 event in the beginning of the year, I think, like, right after the Australian Open. She won the Rome 1000 title, and I didn't realize this, but she's also the only woman to have made at least the round of 16 at every major this year, and that is not an easy feat. Proving consistency. Okay, Iga. Okay, so, I mean, no. No, I can't be the one who talks about her. No, I think you should be the one who talks about her. I want to no, see. No, I can't. No, you have to do justice to her. Oh, goodness. So much pressure. Okay. Okay. So, the seventh seed here in this group is Paula Badosa. So, you know, you may have heard of her. She's that She's that Spaniard. Um. Anyways, <laughs> this year, she got the Indian Wells title, which is a 1,000 point tournament uh i don't know i can't call it for wta it's not masters 1000 right that's why like i don't know i like, think just, you i have no idea because i, I just no call clue. it like 1000 and it doesn't sound right they need to come up with a name for it anyways she got that and she got the belgrade title which was a 250 tournament and she made the french open quarterfinals so such a solid year from this lady um and then of course the highlight of that being indian wells so um, yeah, that was just, you know, it's so great, but I didn't feel the happiness as much as Shravia did, because she's, like, the biggest Badosa fan. Yeah, but this is the same thing. I made you a Dimitrov fan, you made me a Korda fan, I'm yeah. trying to get you on the boat with Barrett. well, you know, just, not even, like, just, just sharing oh, I the I got hype. you on the Emil Rusevori train. 
Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That man is something else. Um, <laughs> WTA. We're focusing on the WTA. Um, in our second group, we have... Oh, gosh. I do not know how to say okay. this. Okay. Teotihuacan. There we go. Yeah. Fun fact. I'm going to call this group T only because <laughs> I do not want... I can try. I just don't want to mess it up. Um, Teotihuacan. Yeah, you got it. Oh, my God, she's learning, guys. So this city was, like, this, you know, this name is also named after a a city or is the name of a city that was known as the urban center of Mesoamerica before the Aztecs. little history lesson in here. My mom is going to love this. Um, But that's what they named this second group after. And in it, we have Barbara Krejcikova, the second (laughs) team. Why did you laugh? The French Open champion. She made the Dubai final, which was a 1000 level event, and took two 250 titles in Strasbourg and Prague. So, killer season from her. And then our next lady, the queen of the 2010s and 2020 consistency era, uh, because she's made the past five WTA finals, is drumroll, please. That's such a bad noise. Carolina Pliskova. She is the third seed. And just a quick recap of her season. She made the Rome final, which was, once again, I'm forced to call it a 1,000. She made the Wimbledon final, Rogers Cup final. And she was one of three women to make a final on all three surfaces this year. So some great stats there. And she's proving that consistency once again. So... Honestly, I was a little shocked when she did all these things because last year was not so great for her. But still, like, she's back at it, and I think that's great, and I think she's just been working her way up to make it to the WTA Finals, and she's going to cause some damage, period. Okay, so now that I'm <laughs> done with that rant, we have Garbini Muguruza, the sixth seed, who was the Dubai champion, a thousand tournament. Uh, Chicago title, which was 500, Yarra Valley Classic final, which was also 500, and the Doha final, 500. I remember there was a stat at the beginning of the year um, that she was like, she was, she was like the, she had the best record of all the players until like maybe the middle of the year, I think, about. But still, mm-hmm. she was doing so well at the beginning of the year and she continued it through to the end. And now she's here at the WTA final and um, I'm just really excited to see how she does. Yeah, she definitely was one of those players who had a better first half of the year than the second half. That's where she had yeah. a lot of her success. But still, she's she's shown that she can really take go toe-to-toe um, with these top players. She had a great win yesterday. And then lastly in this group, we have Annette Contivate, the eighth seed, who pulled off what was seen as the uh as as the undoable going into the end of the season she won the she got to the eastbourne final earlier in the year on the grass season and then took four titles in the last seven tournaments sorry no no no, that's wrong she took four titles um all at the end of the year cleveland 250 ostrava 500 moscow 500 and transylvania 250 and went 26 and 2 over her last seven tournaments going into the wta finals so she absolutely girl bossed the hardcore and indoor hardcore season um and 
I am a huge fan of her. Josefina is also a huge fan of her. She's just like a ray of sunshine. Like she's happiness personified. And she's just so happy to be here. Deserves it so much. I love the way that she plays. Um, And we're really excited to see her here. And speaking of Annette, we want to talk about some notable matches so far. And one of them being the first match of the tournament. Well, I think like all these matches are going to be noble matches because, you know, there's not that many, and uh, they're top players versus top flares. But um, we're going to go with Annette Contivate and Barbara Krejcikova, which was yesterday. Yeah, so Annette, like we said, the eighth seed, defeated Barbara Krejcikova, the second seed, 6-3, 6-4. And this was the first match of the tournament. It was also Annette and, I'm going to call her Barb, their first meeting. People on Twitter call her Barbie. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I need to get through one conversation about Barbara Krejcikova without laughing. Just one. Please, let me summon the strength. I mean, she deserves the spot. We're not denying that. It's just funny because she literally came out of nowhere. Yeah, literally. Uh, Anyways, um, actually, interesting thing about Barbara Krejcikova, Barbie, Barb. Um, (laughs) She's actually the first player to make the WTA finals in both singles and doubles. Oh, yeah, which is, like, crazy. So, yeah, that's just pretty neat of her. Yeah, exactly. She, she just... deserves the hype. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so, yeah, Annette dominated as she should. She's has now an 11-match winning streak, and like we said before, she has a 26-2 win-loss record in her past seven tournaments. She's been absolutely dominating, and I'm so happy. And also, I absolutely loved her dress at the yeah. like the what is it like the gala shoot? they call it a gala gala, gala? yeah the yeah. wta finals gala right before I loved the it. it was very starts. you know 60s and it really matched her like the blonde pink, hair and sunshine vibes the pink was very good yes, with the, it was so her nice. complexion I loved she get, it's it served bubble gum but in a tasteful way exactly she's so classy yeah Another match we had was my dad stayed up pretty late watching this, actually. Carolina Pliskova, the third seed, defeating Garbina Mugarutha, the sixth seed, 4-6-6-2-7-6, their 11th career meeting. And Carolina had four match points. She's in a lot of these situations where she has a lot of match points or is very close, and it kind of just goes till uh, this most stressful point. Um... And Pliskova said afterwards, if I just lose this match tonight, I think I'm gone because it was big. Having a couple of match points, break points there, I was so close to making it even before the tie break. Then, of course, I was quite close to also quite close to also losing it. So a very good win from Carolina there. Um, and she's someone who time and time again, year after year, shows that she deserves to be in these positions. Um, and then lastly, Josephina, tell us about our last match a bit a bit more of a speedy match yes definitely so i think it was 86 minutes yes it was i remember reading that anyways maria sakari the fourth seed defeated iga sviatek the fifth seed six two six four so that's like kind of an obliteration uh so maria is currently three she has a three to zero record against iga and she's six to zero in sets like she hasn't dropped a set against um Iga ever and Maria has been absolutely dominating and her results really show that and um something that like is just so cool um 
that, like, Maria basically says herself in this quote, I'm very proud that I can be the first woman, Greek woman, to actually represent my country into the top 10, and of course, in this tournament. It feels amazing to be able to travel around the world, playing these tournaments, being one of the best players, and being from my country. I'm very, very proud of that. So, yeah, um, Maria is actually the first Greek woman to represent Greece in the WTA Finals tournament. I don't know why I said that in such a convoluted way, but, you know, we get to the point eventually, guys. That's how it works with me. (laughs) Um, Before we wrap up our discussion here, let's talk about some matches to come and uh, our picks to win this tournament. So, Bedosa and Sabalenka are playing right now, but otherwise we have Contivate versus Pliskova. Um, it's going to be interesting because they both have already come off of two great confidence-boosting wins, another term we love here on the podcast. So it's going to be interesting to see how they both utilize that momentum because that's always great to have when you're playing against people of such high caliber. Um, and then we also have Sabalenka versus Sakari, which is interesting because they're kind of at uh, two different levels, I would say, right now in terms of like who's feeling the momentum and who's feeling maybe a little bit more rusty. But it also depends on how this... Bedosa Sabalenka match goes. That's true. Uh, and then we have Bedosa versus Sakari. So both are in like tip top shape, you know, and playing some of the best tennis of their careers. So it would definitely be interesting to see them go at it. I believe that would be their first meeting. And the thing is that like those are some of the players that we've seen them play. I just checked the score. Bedosa is up six four five zero and is oh. about to serve for the second set. Oh. So, right. so I have a feeling Sakari will be obliterating yeah. <laughs> Sabalenka. And honestly, I'm excited to see it. So T. Yeah. Oh. Wait. That's on oops. Oops. Anyways, I mean you're not wrong. Anyways, um yeah. We have uh finally Maruza versus Krajcikova. And like I'm gonna play, you know, oh I'm gonna my play God. devil's advocate. This here. is quite the rematch. <laughs> This is because, um, yeah, you know, in case you didn't remember, they played at the U.S. Open this year, and it ended with some unkind words. It was, <laughs> um, yeah. she called her, quote, so unprofessional, and rolled exactly. her eyes. Yeah, and, oh my god, I'm sorry, but, like, Sassy Muguruza was, like, everything I needed in my life. Like, I loved it. I'm sorry. And anyways, I want to see some revenge because Krychikova did take that match. And I forgot what exactly happened. Um, I believe she took a medical timeout. It time was like a weird medical timeout. Yeah. 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 yeah so well. that was definitely very bizarre. So that's probably like. But she was also really sick. It was just a weird situation. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, yeah. I just want to see, you know, I want to see some of that heat come off in, during the match. So, yeah. Let's yeah. see it. So we're going to talk about our picks to win now because um, this is obviously a really cool tournament. I always love watching this because you are pretty much guaranteed a high-quality match every single time. Um, And there's a lot of players we really like in this draw and a lot of players who I think really deserve it. It's a very... It's not like most years where sometimes you can kind of predict who's going to make it. I feel like 2021 was a really interesting WTA season. Um, So we're going to obviously be continuing with our episodes on that but as far as my pick to win I think Annette Contivate would be a bit of recency bias but honestly because there is again so much depth in the WTA and all these girls can pretty much beat each other for the most part and also because 
my top two contenders, and again, the one and two seats, Krejcikova and Sabalenka, who might have been my top two picks a couple of months ago, Krejcikova is in a bit of a slump, and so is Sabalenka. So I think this really opens the door for someone like Contivate, who has been doing so well for the past couple of months, or Maria Sakari. Those are the two that catch my eye. I think those are two players who have proven that they can either continue or sustain this level. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those two. Um, but I I don't really know. But let's just say I'm going to pick one of those two. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to picks, there's definitely never a method to my madness. It's just a hunch, you know. And I don't know. Like, when I think about it, I think Pliskova's going to be the one walking away with the trophy. It just makes sense in my head. I would love that, to be honest. She deserves it. Yeah. And it's just like... I can see it happening. I can't even explain it. She has a vision. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, usually for a tournament, like for a Grand Slam or something, I would come up with a crazy pick, and then I'd, like, recap all of their success throughout the year. But the thing is, all of these women have played so well throughout the year. That's the point. That's why they're here. So it makes no point to say that, because, like Shravi said, anyone can win. That's that's the whole thing. And I think it's going to be Pliskova. Very nice. Now, it is so poetic that we're now ending this episode just as I got the notification that Paula Bedosa won 646 Love. Oh so, my gosh. very exciting there. We are, if you can't tell, very excited about this tournament. Um, we haven't really figured out how our episode schedule is going to be like for this tournament because it's a little bit different, but we definitely do want to keep talking about it. So, keep an eye out on our social media and stuff for more of our two cents on these matches and these players um but thank you for joining us and go watch guadalajara thank you so much for joining us and that is game set and match for today if you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the WTA and ATP finals, and of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released later as the WTA Finals progress. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.